So, are you here? Yeah, there you are. Let's start today by taking a deep breath. Now let's all exhale. Go ahead. You'll thank me. All right. Now that we've all shared a moment of quiet, let's begin another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. Welcome. Oh, we've got an interview today from the archives with Sir Don Black. There are so many great talks out there. And it's our goal to make them available on as many platforms as possible. Sir Don Black is a lyricist and inductee of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Sir Don has written songs with some of the most celebrated composers in history. Really, listen to this list. Andrew Lloyd Webber, Quincy Jones, John Barry, Michael Legrand, Henry Mancini, Michael Jackson... Marvin Hamlish and Charles Strauss, just to name a few. In addition to being a lyricist, Don Black has worked as a stand-up comedian, song plugger, radio personality, and personal manager to the late Matt Monroe. It was a great pleasure for Paul to interview him. We think you'll enjoy this episode. We thank you, each and every one, for listening. And we also want to give extra thanks to everyone who supports independent media by going to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We enthusiastically, let's say that with enthusiasm, we enthusiastically thank you, every single person who contributes. And now, folks, we have nothing left to do but sit back Kick our feet up. Listen to this interview with lyricist Sir Don Black. Let us listen together. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a great pleasure to welcome this man. Our special guest is an inductee of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He's written many songs you know and love. It's a pleasure to welcome lyricist Don Black. Hi, Paul. How lovely to speak to you. It's a great honor. I think most stories are best for the beginning. What was life like growing up? A very happy childhood in an area called Hackney in East London, which I suppose is like the Lower East Side of New York. A very poor kind of neighborhood, but a very jolly one. A lot of very happy days, and I spent a lot of time at the local music hall seeing theater, and at the local cinema seeing a lot of James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart films. Can you remember specific songs that from an early age had a great effect on you? I can. I always, uh, I was always taken by lyrics that were truthful and songs like Fish Gotta Swim, Birds Gotta Fly, I Gotta Love One Man Till I Die. I always loved that. That's um, Can't Help Loving That Man from uh, Showboat. I loved that and I, I loved all Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff and Irving Berlin and Sammy Kahn, Johnny Mercer. The great American songbook. I've always loved American great songwriters. What do you credit your interest specifically in lyrics? 
Well, I've always had a love of words, and not a lot of people did when I started. A lot of people went for music rather than lyrics. So most people played guitar, piano, or something. But I was always more interested in the stories. I just loved the lyrics. There were very few lyric writers around, and there's still very few who only concentrate on lyrics. So I don't know why I like them, but I just thought they were very, very clever. And songs like The Way You Look Tonight, I just thought were so beautiful. The way they can say things so concisely, so uh, economically. So I've always loved that, and I still do. I get a great thrill when I hear a good song. Given that there are very few people, like you said, who specifically write lyrics... Can you tell us some of your favorites? What, of mine or of anybody's? <laughs> uh, uh, some of your favorite lyricists that are writing lyrics today. There's not many that are great that are writing today because they, most of the, the songwriters today or the singers today write for themselves. But the few remaining ones, I mean, Stephen Sondheim is head and shoulders above everyone else. But there are some wonderful writers like Marilyn and Alan Bergman. I'm huge fans of theirs. And Stephen Schwartz, who wrote the musical Wicked. There are some very good ones around, but there are not many like there were in, in America in, in the 40s and 50s, where you had you know, so many of them, but their songs live on. We're talking with lyricist Don Black. Can you recall your first attempt at songwriting? Well, I can. I, I, you know, it was very poor. I wrote one for a Jewish wedding, and it was called There's No Smoke Without Salmon which was quite an amusing idea. And funny little songs I wrote, comedy songs, because I was a comedian for a while. But my early songs were not very wonderful. And, you know, you just learn a lot. You know, I just studied it, and I enjoyed it very much. But when I got my first successful song, which was a song called Walk Away, sung by the British singer Matt Monroe, and I didn't realize you could actually make a living out of writing songs. You know, I just thought it was a wonderful, magical thing to do. But I didn't realize, you know, I didn't, I sort of realized, but when I started getting royalty checks in, and we came from a very poor neighborhood, I thought, my God, it's possible that you could actually live <laughs> and eat <laughs> out of songwriting. But, you know, I take it very seriously, songwriting. I do, uh, you know, it isn't a hobby. I've always preferred to write a song than to watch some mindless television show. <laughs> well, there certainly is a surplus of those today. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I wanted to ask you, what was it like for you the first time you witnessed a song that you wrote being performed? It's a great thrill. It still is a great thrill when I'm at an airport and I hear one of my songs and, um, or, or, you know, just on the radio in the car. It's, it's always, you know, it gives you a little inner glow because the beautiful thing is about writing songs is, you know, they don't go away once they're written and they've been recorded. They do pop up. And it brings back great memories. It isn't just the song. It's where you wrote it. People often say to me, you know, how, how you wrote... Their, their favorite song might be Diamonds Are Forever. But when someone says Diamonds Are Forever to me, I'm not really thinking of how I wrote it. I'm thinking of where I wrote it and the time I had with John Barry when I did write it. And that applies to, you know, when I wrote Born Free. You think of the whole situation, the whole circumstance, and it, it's, a, it's a lovely memory. On that note, Tell us about the experience of writing with John Barry. What was he like to work with? Well, John Barry was, you know, obviously a brilliant talent and a very special guy. He wrote in a very particular way. It wasn't very collaborative in as much as we talked about what we were going to write. And then he would just write the melody and then he would present it to me. 
And when he gave it to me, that was it. He spent a lot of time honing the tunes, but he, the thought of writing in the same room, it never occurred to him. It wasn't something he liked doing, and it isn't something I particularly like doing, not when you're writing a heartfelt ballad. I think it's very hard to write wonderful lyrics just by saying, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? I think you have to have a, that mind-wandering lunacy of staring out of a window or walking around a park to get the best the feeling out of the lyric. And he could never understand people who just sat in a room and, and wrote songs together. He hated that. I always remember him calling me saying that his music publisher called him up and said, someone wants to write a song with him. Could he... Could, could this girl come over? And he burst out laughing. He said, you know, my God, what? And he couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> In an instance, suppose you have the melody first. Yes. What is your process then for writing? Do you write and sing along with the melody, or how does that work? Well, when I get a melody, and, you know, if it's, if it's from a show, it's, it's, it's helpful because you have a character to draw from. But I just have that melody in my head, and then I think, what? words sit beautifully on those notes because it's very important that the song sings well and composers never mind what the lyric is as long as it doesn't interfere with their melody you know i, I just sing it to myself and you know I, if it moves me at all if i think oh that's touching you know i go with it i just go with with the feeling of it you've written songs with so many of the best composers everyone from andrew lloyd weber charles strauss the late henry mancini Michel Legrand, this may be a difficult question, but could you pick a favorite collaborator? No, not really, because in a way, they're all the same. They're very different people. You know, Quincy Jones is very dif different from Lalo Schifrin or Henry Mancini, but he's quite identical when he's at the piano, because all these great composers are looking for a melody. They're looking, they're, you know, they are searching for a tune. Now, so when you're, you're with them, it could be any one of those guys, basically. When they get up from the piano, then they're very different. Landry Lloyd Webber is very different to Quincy Jones. But creating a song, writing a song is a very personal, intimate thing to do. And I don't find any of them different from each other, really. Tell us about the song, the songs you wrote for Dances with Wolves. How did that come about? Well, Dances with Wolves, I just wrote the one song, Here's to the Heroes. It's just the fact it's uh, the John Dunbar theme. And it was such a popular piece of music. It won the Oscar for John Barry. And John said to me one day, yeah, I think we should have some words for it. And I said, have you got any ideas? And he said, oh, something about heroes. So I wrote this song called Here's to the Heroes, which has become quite popular. It's a beautiful melody. This is probably also a very difficult question. With all the songs that you've written, is there a song that you've written that is more meaningful than the others? Well, I think the probably song that's most meaningful would have to be Born Free, because it was a life-changing song, in as much as I had a bit of success before Born Free, but the fact that it won an Academy Award really opened a lot of doors and it meant I could feed my family <laughs> and, you know, without worrying too much about it because it was such a success. And, you know, hundreds of people recorded it. So that is a meaningful song to me. It's not necessarily my favorite song. I don't know what my favorite song is. I'm very fond of Ben and Michael Jackson recorded because of the memories of Michael Jackson. But I don't really have a, a favorite song. Usually it's the one I've just finished. <laughs> Tell us about some of the honors that you've had. For example, the induction that you got into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Such yes. a, a huge honor. 
What was that experience like to get that kind of recognition? Well, I've had a lot of glittering prizes over the years, but the induction into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, I think, was, you know, the best. Because, I don't know, you know, you think of who else is in that really exalted arena. And it's people like Johnny Mercer and Lorenz Hart and Oscar Hammerstein. It's the elite. So uh, it's just lovely to be on a list with those people. Uh, I still can't believe it. It's, it's quite fantastic. How important do you think it is for a songwriter to change with the times? Or do I, I think, yeah, I think it's a good question about changing with the times. I'm not sure. It depends what kind of writer you are. I don't think Stephen Sondheim changes with the times, and I don't think the Bergmans change with the times, because they write crafted, polished songs, always have done, always will do. They won't suddenly write a song for Lady Gaga. It's not their style. So you're aware of the times, and I'm sure these people could write for Lady Gaga if, if they had a mind to. But basically, they do what they do, and they, they keep learning to improve what they do. Well, on that same note, how important do you think it is for a lyricist to stay true to his own self? In which way? I mean, uh, to stay, stay true to yourself? Well, I, I think you, you don't write, you don't change. You know, you, once you've got your style, you just you are true to yourself, and you do you do have your your standards. But you know, you can write about many different subjects, so uh, you are changing. I mean, one minute you're writing a, you know, as I have done, a musical about Bombay, which I did the Bombay Dreams musical, and the next minute, you know, you're writing a Sunset Boulevard about a, a deranged film actress. So. Uh, you have to, what's the expression, uh, roll with the punches. <laughs> I see. Now, the different things that you've written, like writing for theater, then there have been songs that you've written that have been recorded by pop artists. Yeah. Is there a particular area within music that you find the most gratifying to write for? Well, I'm happy writing any kind of song, really. I mean, I prefer to write theater songs because they're characterful. I do like that. But if I was 100% honest... <laughs> I suppose, and I, I would love, in a perfect world, I would love to sit down and write songs, Rogers and Hart style songs that Tony Bennett would record, one after the other, all of them, you know. And I, that's what I would love to do. But unfortunately, the world isn't like that, and no one records those kind of Rogers and Hart songs. So you have to write other songs, you have to write pop songs. But that, if, if you're asking just from a personal point of view, that would be my idea of Shangri-La, just sit down and keep writing The Folks That Live on the Hill or My Funny Valentine. That's in my heart, but uh, one's got to be sensible. Earlier I asked you about your favorite song, and that's always a very difficult question for songwriters. Songwriters frequently say, you're asking me to choose between my children. But on that note, of the different recording artists that have recorded your songs. Has there been a favorite interpretation of yours? The British singer Matt Monroe, who recorded so many of my songs, he is my favorite. It isn't so hard finding one. And he's not that well known, I'm sure, in Atlanta, where you live. But it would be nice if you could play a Matt Monroe record, because I'm sure your listeners would appreciate what a beautiful voice he had. You have my word. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to ask you about Play It Again when they did the Born Free, the Don Black songbook. Yes. What was it like for you to listen to an entire album of just songs written by you? I have a show that's just finished uh, touring England, and it's called the Don Black songbook. And I mean, it's been amazing, really, because it's a 
two-hour show devoted to all my songs, and it tells the story of my life. It's also, the subtitle is called From Hackney to Hollywood, which is the area I was born in. It's quite thrilling. It's an amazing thing, because I, I was brought up as a fan of people like Sammy Khan, and, you know, I used to go and see Sammy Khan do a one-man show, and I thought, what can that be like to have a whole evening of your songs? No, it's absolutely thrilling. It really is thrilling, and again, it's nice that you get a, a young audience as well. You, you're appealing to a, another generation, which is very uplifting. When someone listens to a song that you wrote, and I'm talking about whether it is live or they're listening to a recording. What do you want them to get out of the experience of listening? I want people to be touched. If people can say, after they've heard one of my songs, I felt that, then I've done my job. I think it's, you know, it's lovely when people are moved by what you've written. And if you can touch a lot of people, you've cracked it, as we say over here. What is the best thing about being Don Black? I think you can have a fair share of anonymity, which is a wonderful thing about being Don Black. There are obviously a bunch of people who know me, people who follow me, but it isn't like Black Mania. It isn't like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and so, you know, I can go on public transport and on the subway and no one drives me crazy. So, uh, you know, I do like that aspect of it. I, it's very nice to be known and recognized a bit, but not too much. And the best thing about being me is the fact that being a lyric writer, you can do it for many, many years. In a few weeks' time, there is a man coming over to London called Irvin Drake, who is a great American songwriter. He's 95. He wrote It Was a Very Good Year, and I believe for Frankie Lane. And he's 95, and he's still writing. You know, I think it's a good business to be in if you can stay with it. On that note, what is on the horizon for you? I'm just... Well, I'm always working on new musicals, and we've, th this show of mine has been touring. We're talking about coming into London in the West End, so working on that. I also have a radio series myself, and it's, we play the Great American Songbook, and I'm on every Sunday evening here uh, on BBC Radio, so that keeps me busy. Yeah, I'm doing what I always do, and it's, uh, I'm very happy to carry on. Wherever someone is when they're listening to this interview whether they're over there in the United Kingdom, here in the United States, or anywhere, really. What would you like to say to the listener? Well, to listeners, I just thank you for listening to my songs, and uh, I just hope you keep the great songs alive, the great American songbook, because in a changing world of music, and music does have to change with every generation, it always does, but I would hate the thought of George Gershwin and Ira Gershwin and those great people ever fading. Please buy the odd record by, by, these, by these great people. My last question. Who is Don Black? Who is Don Black? You ask some very peculiar questions, Bob. Um, <laughs> who is Don Black? Well, Don Black is just a guy in London who uh, loves writing songs, and I'm a great family man. You know, I'm just an ordinary guy who happens to have a, a knack or a flair with a lyric, and it's held me in good stead, and I'm very grateful for it. Well, Mr. Black, I thank you very much for doing this interview. My pleasure, Paul, and uh, nice speaking to you. You are a great interviewee. Ah, thank <laughs> you. Thanks so much. Good luck with this. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. 
The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.